Hi, everyone, and thank you for checking out episode 24 of the Dancing Eyes podcast. My name is Frankie Caputo, and today my guest is Becky. Becky was born with congenital nystagmus, and she is the creator of Becky's Blurred Perspective, a blog where she talks about what it's like to live with visual and hearing impairments. The topics of her articles range from the stereotypical look of a visually impaired person to tips on accessible ways to enjoy reading. You could find Becky's blog by typing in beckysblurredperspective.co.uk or by clicking the links to her blog in the description of the podcast. This episode of the Dancing Eyes podcast is sponsored by the American Nystagmus Network. The American Nystagmus Network works to improve the quality of life for all persons and families affected by nystagmus through organized community, support, education, public awareness, and research. You can find a link to their website in the description of the podcast. If you're interested in watching short clips taken from this episode, you can follow the Dancing Eyes podcast on Instagram, where we post clips from all of our episodes. Lastly, new episodes will be out on the first and third Monday of every month. I know, even though today is not Monday, today is technically Wednesday, and I promise that this is a rarity and this does not happen often. <laughs> but uh, with all that being said, I hope, I hope everybody listening enjoys and gets something from this episode, and let's get into the show. Well, what's the name of your blog? So my blog is called Becky's Blurred Perspective. Obviously, you can probably tell the blurred is my vision. <laughs> so I have just started it within the last month. There's not a whole lot of posts yet. And it's not actually just my nice language. It's about vision. I'm also deaf in my right ear, so I talk a little bit about how the vision and hearing impairment work together, as well as just life as a university student. So I feel like I need to balance out disability while also just being a typical university student and showing how the two of them together co-hide together. The nystagmus must have affected you to a certain point, because for me, for example, I wouldn't have started this podcast if the nystagmus didn't have a tremendous impact on on who I am and in my childhood. So so let's let's get into that, you know, like how how did the nystagmus affect you for example in school when you were younger? Yeah, so it does have a big impact on me. Back in school, it had a very big impact on my self-confidence, especially back as a teenager. I know a lot of people struggle with confidence and also just other teenagers, they can be a bit brutal. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So <laughs> I really struggled with having any kind of adaptations back in school, if, if that was in large print or um, I also had early on, uh, sorry, I say secondary school, high school, but you're in the States. Okay. But early on, so from age of like 11, 12 years old, I had a teaching assistant, I think you'd call them, who I'd have by me just to check that I had everything in place. But growing up as a teenager, that becomes quite, something you become quite self-conscious on, knowing you've got another adult with you, which other teenagers don't have to have. Yeah. And yeah, it was, it was a bit of tough. I did struggle. Yeah, I mean, school is certainly tough. And then you have, you're self-conscious because you've got the adult with you. And then you're self-conscious. Like, did you get mm -hmm. bullied at all because of the eyes? Um, 
honest, I didn't massively get bullied. I think a lot of the issues were just my own self-confidence. I was very reserved. I didn't put myself out there much to make a lot of friends, which I think was my main issue. Yeah. So do do you think that maybe you didn't put yourself out there so much because you were so self-conscious about the eyes? Yeah, I'd definitely say so. What about you? What about your school situation? School, you know, yeah, school was interesting. The thing about nystagmus, right, is that we don't really know that we have an eye condition unless you get treated differently or unless somebody mentions it. Because to me, my eyes yeah. are just all that I've experienced before. So I don't really... I didn't know that I had poor vision. I didn't know that they shook around until people were like, dude, your eyes are shaking or why can't you see that? And I was like, Oh yeah. Yeah. I guess, I guess my eyes are different. And then that makes you more self-conscious exactly like what you were saying earlier. Like now I was just hyper aware, especially in high school. I was just hyper aware of my eyes. I couldn't stop thinking about them throughout the whole day. That's the thing. As you say, it's, the perceptions you get from other people. So it got to the point that I was self-conscious just to see people because I'd be thinking while having a conversation, wait, are they noticing my eyes? Yeah. And it's little things like that which really get to you. So, yeah. So did you notice how when you were having conversations with people, you literally couldn't even focus on the conversation because you were so up in your head about the eyes? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that was the story That's of something my life. Which yeah, it's something that I've got a lot better with now. But back in school, it definitely was something which played on my mind more than it needed to. So did you have any ways that that you went to help yourself with that? Like, how did you transition from being so self-conscious about your eyes to seeing an improvement today? Something that really helped me, actually, were finding... YouTubers online who have also got nice diagnosis or vision impairments. So I don't know. Have you heard of Molly Burke? I'm trying to get her on the podcast so bad. I'm I've been reaching out to her. Oh, a bunch. that yeah. would be amazing. So she was my role model growing up. I absolutely adore her content. And yeah, she really did prove to me, oh, you can have a vision impairment and still be cool, still love all the fashion and be outgoing so it was people like her who really helped me as well as just working out on my own that I didn't want my vision to define me and therefore I needed to become confident in myself mm -hmm. to be able to portray that image on others that I am so much more than just my nice diagnosis. Yeah, that's the thing, right? Fake it until you make it. Even if you don't necessarily feel it, exactly. you kind of have to fake your fake your way into it so that eventually, you know, repetition and then now now Yeah. Now you're not so definitely. self conscious. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's advice that I've gotten before, the fake it until you make it. It's easier said than done, though. You know. Like... It is. It's so much easier said than done. But if you can do it, you're gonna naturally kind of brain or re rewire your brain to get that confidence that you spent time trying to fake yeah yeah exactly i think when you do something repeatedly it it becomes habitual and then it gets subconsciously it's part of you and then maybe that's how you fake it until you make it or at least that's how i think about yeah. it 
It's really interesting. Uh, we're all trying. Like, it's really interesting what, me, what people like Molly Burke do, though. It's really important because, like, just so she's got millions of followers on YouTube. I think almost two million right now. And just think about how many of those yeah. people she's. I mean, you're you're just one of the examples. Just imagine how many people were like you who were so self conscious about their eyes, and then you see somebody who's being successful and she's she's having a good impact on the world and she has the same uh disability or condition that you do yeah it is it's something which is really good about social media i know we are quite quick to judge social media for a lot of issues that society now have but having influencers like money but does really have a really positive impact on people like us who've got a disability and want to have a good representation yeah there wasn't there wasn't a molly burke 20 years ago you know that there wasn't no. a, let's say apple d app the guy in black eyed peas who i'm also trying to get on um and, and there's other people oh, with yeah. too are you familiar with james rath at all i don't know no i don't know if i know him okay yeah he's a filmmaker he's also a youtuber and he's got nystagmus as well Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. So, so you think about people like this and 30 years ago, there's still all the people with nystagmus, but they don't have out, they don't have somebody like Molly Burke to help influence them in the right direction, help motivate them to not be so hard on ourselves about our eyes. So that is a really good thing mm-hmm. about social media. Like you said, there's also a lot of really bad things about social media. I, I'm very 50, 50. Yeah. <laughs> on social media yeah definitely yeah yeah same so i was talking to you a little bit earlier before we were we recorded but you did meet somebody else with nystagmus in person which is pretty cool so can you tell us a story about how that happened yeah i can so um a year before i started at university while i was still in school um what we have in the uk is we generally have People, we have a person who's external to the school come and make sure that we've got all of our requirements needed to do with our vision. And one of the ladies who I had said to me that she has another student at another school nearby who's just started university, who's also got a nice diagnosis and a similar level of degree of vision to me, who... She wanted me to get to me and ask her about university and what, how she finds university as a student with a nice diagnosis. So we did a video call and we got chatting. After that, we got each other's Snapchat. And just since then, it's now been a couple of years and we meet up and go out. And it's really nice to have that other person to talk to and you can really relate to with what it is like to live with a nice diagnosis and a vision loss. I think that's a I think that's a game changer to have somebody in person who has the condition. It is. It makes it feel more of a normal thing because we talk about it, but we're not so when we don't talk like really seriously all the time. We kind of joke about it. We've been out and we went to a national trust house and she was reading, she was trying to read um some names on some books and, and she said to me, what does that say? I was like, Kira, <laughs> I can't see you there. She's like, oh yeah, we're both a bit blind. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's, it, it, it's, it's so, it's you're really so quick. Nice. People could be so quick to 
because most people just have normal vision, you know. So all of my friends, I'm by far the worst vision out of all of them. And so yeah. I, I always have to go to them and ask them what the hell's happening or I can't read the menu or just help me out here. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they'll do the same thing, though, to me. Uh, they'll remember that I can't see anything. So <laughs> so what's your vision looking like? Is it uh, it's 20 what? Um, I think we do it a bit differently um, in England. So for me, I've got about the way I kind of put it, visualize it in a way is what someone with normal vision we refer to as 2020 vision. I don't know if you say the same, mm-hmm. but from what someone with normal vision could read from 20 meters away, I would have to be about three or four meters away to read that same thing. Okay. Um, and I've also, so my vision's just not quite as sharp and I've got poor depth perception. I think that's pretty common with nystagmus. Oh yeah. What about you? So we do it with feet over here. Um, so it's like perfect visions, 2020 and I'm 20 in my right. eye. am, I just got this checked a few days ago. So I'm 2050 uh-huh. in my right eye, and I'm 2100 in my left eye. So my right eye is a lot. Oh better. right, so your right is quite a bit stronger. Yeah, but now if we correct it, if we get some glasses, because I got LASIK a couple, like I got LASIK a year ago, uh, but I feel like my vision decreased a little bit, so I wanted to go to the doctor and see um, how much. So yeah, uncorrected, it's 2050, 2100. But now if I were to wear glasses or contacts, it'd be right eye 2040, left eye 2070, which is a little better. Right. Okay. Do you know a comment which really kind of bugs me? And I don't know if you get this as well. But when I tell people about my vision, they go, oh, well, do you wear glasses? And I just want to say, no, I've totally never thought about wearing glasses. (laughs) If I wore glasses, I'd be totally fine. Oh my god, right when you said right when you said that it was something that that irritates you. I knew exactly what you were going to say because I've yeah. dealt with that so many times. Thinks, everyone just thinks, "Oh, just wear glasses." It's not that simple. Glasses is not going to give me that 2020 vision. I wish it did. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, and I wear glasses my whole life actually, so I would like people would see that I have poor vision and then see that I have glasses. Yeah. And they'd be like, Hey buddy, you should uh, go get your, go get some new glasses, <laughs> go get your yeah. eyes checked. And I'm like, dude, just go, go somewhere else. Go somewhere else. Yeah. You know, I don't... <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's understandable. You know, a lot of people don't know about nystagmus. They're... Visual impairments aren't really spoken about much in, in the media. So it's a lot of people just don't understand it. So I, I understand the, yeah lack of knowledge about it conception yeah yeah i also feel like a lot of people assume that it's even normal vision or vision where you can have glasses fully corrected or you're blind you don't have that kind of in between stage like you and me who where we're visually impaired but still got vision yeah yeah no it's a it's an iffy line because I'm so quick to tell people that I'm legally blind because I used to be without glasses. I was literally 2200 and I'm really quick to say that, but I'm actually right. not legally blind anymore. So I have to explain like, Hey, it's not perfect vision, but it's not 
the worst mm-hmm. vision ever. It's somewhere in the middle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's difficult. It's really hard to explain to people. I find. Yeah. Do Do you ever find yourself not telling somebody about it just because you don't want to? You don't want to to explain. You don't want to do the whole explanation. Yeah, so I do have that. Um, sometimes with people, I just can't be bothered to. If I don't feel a need to, I just won't disclose my vision. Where that does become a problem, though, is job hunting. Mm. So I've currently been trying to find a part-time job in between studying at university. And a kind of problem I found is I don't want to disclose it in my CV because I don't want to be quickly judged and discriminated against. But I've now had a few interviews and trial shifts for certain jobs where I feel like I have then been discriminated against once they've seen my eyes, which is so tricky because what am I meant to do? I can't, I can't not make my eyes move. I know you can't tell them, Hey, you're, it's a hallucination. My eyes are normal. They're not shaking. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's not my eyes moving. That's it's yeah. It's really frustrating because uh, we spoke about it before we, we we filmed, but people can lower their expectations for you, or they might not think yeah. that you're capable of doing as much as you really are, just because of a preconceived notion about what they're seeing about your eyes. Yeah, definitely. I've definitely had people make assumptions or think that. Actually, I've even this sounds really bad, but when I was started university and I was in one of my lectures after in one of my lectures at the end a lecturer came up to me and was like I've noticed something strange about your eyes and I was like you've been notified that I've got a vision impairment right and she's like oh no I didn't know about that is your brain affected and I was just Mm. like how can you make that judgment so she was asking you if you had like a lower intelligence because of your eye condition. Yeah, I almost I wanted to say to her, I got an A in your assessment, did I not? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's so frustrating the misconceptions that some people have. But but that's a big part of that has to do with television and media, right? Because you you always yeah. see it in the cartoon, for example. Cartoon, the stupid cartoon character is always portrayed as somebody with wonky eyes. That's that's really annoying to yeah. me. This, this, this really stupid character, like the idiot character that gets made fun of in these these television shows, they all got wonky eyes. And I I'm always and this has to have an effect on people who watch these things. They'll see somebody w- with eyes that aren't normal and think, oh, that person's stupid. That person's not capable. Yeah. It's not really fair. (laughs) It's not really fair. It's not fair. We have to work very hard. And yet sometimes people just very quickly make assumptions. So what do you think is the biggest impact the nystagmus has had on your life? Biggest impact on my life? I definitely feel like it has shaped me as a person. I'd say it's made me more determined to do well, to prove some people wrong. I already have people be like, oh, good for her. She's at university. That's amazing. It's like, no, I don't want to be amazing because I'm like, 
university because of my eyesight. I just want to do well. Yeah. Um, but in terms of the actual impact that my vision has on me day to day, I would say it's harder. Um, well, it, it makes a lot of things harder, really. But I find getting around unfamiliar places more difficult. So I feel more restricted with being able to just go out and go to places. I also can't drive, which is a bit upsetting. It, it was especially upsetting when all my friends were learning to drive mm. and I couldn't. What's that like in England? Can you still get around well? if you can't? How do you get around? How's the public transportation? Public trans public transport is quite good here. I I didn't really do it much before starting university. I was very much comfortable having my parents taxi me taxi me around to places. So it was a little bit of a shock to the system when I went to uni and I had to learn those independent skills to still be able to get around. Mm -hmm. But I've done good and I'm proud that I'm now comfortable getting buses, getting trains. I do it all pretty often now in my day-to-day -day life. Nice, okay. What are you studying in university? Uh, yeah, I haven't actually told you that, have I? No. <laughs> I'm studying... <laughs> I'm study I'm in my second year doing advertising and digital marketing. Are they having you work on uh, are they having you work on projects? Like what are you working on right now? Yeah, at the moment I've got three assignments on the go. It's a bit tough. Yeah. But I'm enjoying it. I like to be busy. I like to have better structure and have work. It's going good though. Okay. Yeah, it's definitely a transition though, living from your parents and then getting over to, to university and then like you mentioned it forced mm -hmm. you to have to learn the public transportation and get around without without your parents taking you everywhere yeah i i think my vision very much um held me back in a way when i was younger i was quite sheltered so i didn't go out on my own even little things which I didn't even think about is when I went to university, food shopping is more difficult because I've wandered into a food shop and all the aisles are kind of just bright and you can't read on the packet until I'm right up close to them. So even that was so overwhelming when I had to start to do my own cooking and food shopping. Yeah. But again, it's just one of those things you adjust and you learn your ways to get around. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it definitely makes you stronger. I know I mentioned it earlier, but yeah. with with the adversity that I feel like somebody with nystagmus has, there we don't have an option. You know, like if you want to grow in society, we have to overcome that ad ad adversity. And yeah, that's one of the reasons yeah, why I think it affects our personality so much. Definitely, I think that is the reality: is we don't have an option. We can, we can't just kind of bury ourselves in a little hole and not join the rest of society. We've got to go out. We've got to find ways to get around and prove that we can live just as independent and capable lives. Yeah. Well, technically, we can be bury ourselves in a hole and just not interact with society. But I think everybody kind of comes to the conclusion that that's not a fulfilling 
lifestyle. No, that's not fulfilling, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't sound like a good idea. Yeah. So where do you find your fulfillment right now? Does that come from university or, or the blog? It comes through a lot of things at the moment. My university going well. My blog, again, I've only just started, so I'm right. still hoping that that is going to grow over time. I really want to be able to reach more people with sight loss who I can help and share my story so far and um, share how I am growing as a person compared to where I was just a couple of years ago. And also my family. My family are a really big part. I'm very close with my family. I've got a really good network of them and support system that they really kind of... It's nice that my parents and other wider family and close friends are really proud of where I've got to today. Mm -hmm. And that does really help me to carry on. I um, got a question here. Okay, this is from Miriam. How were your eye movements when you were younger compared to now? Uh, and then she says, my two-year-old daughter has congenital nystagmus and hers is very obvious. I'm hoping it dampens as she gets older. How do you respond to that? Okay. So I know that my mom always said that when I was young, so probably around your daughter's age to maybe even younger, whatever, my eyes used to move really, really fast. And it was, as you say, it is very noticeable. And I don't know why or how it changed but now my parents say that they barely even notice my nice diagnosis I don't know if that is part to do with they've just known me for 20 years but people do say that it has just over the years slowed down but I do also want to say you should I don't think you need to hope that your sorry did you say daughter daughter yeah daughter yeah i don't think you need to go and hope that your daughter's eyes will slow down it might they might not but at the end of the day it's not going to make a big difference you'll become used to it over the years and you'll probably end up like my parents where they say oh yeah we don't even notice my family forget um i've even got a vision impairment and the people who will get close to your daughter will also get to that point that they don't see the sight loss. Yeah, fair stuff. What is your, what is your take on it? I can relate to you a lot. So to, to begin with about the actual eyes slowing down, yeah, my mom says the same thing, actually, that when I was a lot younger, mm -hmm. they shook a lot more. And then as I grew older, the shaking decreased. And also my vision got a little bit better. Like my vision's better yeah. now than it was when I was younger. Is that the same for you? Yeah, my vision has got slightly stronger. It gets to a point where your eyes just naturally stabilize. And then since that point, since I've matured and got older, that my eyes have just come to a stable. They don't really doesn't it won't get any better but it won't get any worse yeah okay so so Miriam, i think that's kind of uh i think you don't really want to expect anything but don't be surprised if this if the movement slows down a little bit as your daughter gets a little older yeah. and don't be surprised if her vision gets slightly better it might not i'm not going to say that that's going to happen but i've spoken to a few people in the stagnus whose vision 
gets better as well as the the movements decreasing as well i think they probably go hand in hand too maybe with the the decreased movements your vision just gets better because your whole world isn't moving so much so that could be part of it as well um and also becky to to what you said about how your mom said that she doesn't really notice the nystagmus so much now or how sometimes a family member could forget that you have something I've, I've experienced the same thing too where my friends and family a lot of people will be like yeah i forgot that you even had something or i forgot i literally forgot that you had nystagmus or i forgot that your vision wasn't so good because i feel like for the majority of the time we can actually function pretty well in society it's only like a few specific instances where our vision's gonna hold us back for me at least yeah and it's yeah because it's not a constant thing that it's going to be noticeable as you say there's a certain instance where my lack of vision does very much show and gets me into some awkward situations but that's not all the time yeah yeah so Miriam, don't be don't be too concerned about that um your daughter will grow up and be absolutely fine she'll be fine we all it seems like a lot of us kind of have a rough patch around maybe the age of 14 to 18 or 19 yeah and then and then we either exit high school or get into college or just something seems to click around that age not for everybody definitely not for everybody but for a lot of the people that i've met something happens at around that age where we become a little more um comfortable with ourselves and not so self-conscious about our eyes this next question is from diaz nicole is it hard to find love what do you got becky i think love finding love is difficult for everyone it can be particularly difficult if you want if you've got any kind of condition which you want to disclose so for me i've been on the dating site a little bit um and there's always the point where it's a little bit like getting a job. It's like, do you disclose it? Do you not? <laughs> <laughs> um, so generally, I don't. What I've done in the past is I haven't actually spoken about my vision until quite late on. Although that's then the issue. What if they then kind of lose interest in me because they're like oh don't know if I want to go out with a girl who's blind (laughs) um but then again I don't want to do you know what I mean like it's it's kind of a tricky line of not I, I trust me I'm dealing with it right now actually I was uh so I'm on tinder and I'm meeting up with a girl tomorrow actually um but in the like beforehand you know, you're talking for a while and you're going back and forth, just chatting. And then you start setting up an appointment to meet the other person. And then like, now I have to think this is my mindset just a few days ago. All right. I got to mention my eyes somehow. I I can't just not, I can't just go up and meet her without having mentioned my eyes beforehand. Like I, I, she needs to know that, that my, my vision is impaired. And also she needs to know that my eyes do things that a lot of other people's eyes don't do. Cause I don't want to be like catfishing somebody. I don't want there to be, <laughs> yeah. I don't want a surprise. So whenever, mm. so I mentioned it 
and I said that I have an eye condition and, uh, the podcast was actually an easy out. Honestly, it was, it was no, I was, that's, I was about to say, I was like, Hey, you can go watch the podcast. Yeah. yeah the podcast was a super easy out. I was just telling her that I was working on my podcast. She's like, what's the podcast about? And then, and then I just said, it's about this <laughs> eye condition. And then now that's how I did it. I don't know if that was the right way to do it, but it seemed to work yeah. just fine. Um, so yeah, no. And yeah, it's, it's really important. It's, it's a tough decision to make on whether or not you mention it or whether or not you don't mention it. I don't think that there's really a right answer. I think it's just trial and error. No. And at the end of the day, if someone's not going to be accepting of your eye condition, then they're probably not worth being in a relationship with. Yeah. But with my first, as I've only been in one relationship, but when I went on a date with him, I actually, so I hadn't told him about my eyes until the day. And on the day I said, oh, by the way, I've got this eye condition. And he said, oh, yeah, no, I was going to ask you about that. Because so he was doing a university degree in um, education. And on his placement, he he said to me that a little boy on his placement has the same eye condition as me. I thought, oh, well, that's easy. Then I don't have to do a lot of explaining. He already has a kid in his class Mm -hmm. who has it. So for me, it worked out well, but obviously it won't always be that easy of a situation. And it is difficult when you're going to be in a relationship. Of course, they'll want to ask questions about how it affects you and what your vision is like. So you have then to kind of explain it to them yeah, and then they'll make up they'll decide on their own whether they want to be in a relationship hopefully they do it hopefully it shouldn't make a difference yeah hopefully hopefully not but you know to some people it does i think there's two factors that i can think of about the nystagmus that might hinder somebody's um will to want to be in a relationship with you i think the first one is for me, like what I struggled with the most my whole life was the aesthetics of it. It wasn't so much that I lacked vision, but it was so much that like I was really insecure about how my eyes looked. And I really, uh, yeah, it, that was a, that was like a really interesting thing to me. Is a lot of the people that I interviewed, they were really self conscious about their lack of vision. And to me, it was never the vision because I was always kind of able to do whatever I needed to do. It was just people making fun of how I can't really look at them straight in the eyes or how my eyes move around really quickly so that's yeah to to me that's like one yeah. aspect that you know i'm conscious of in dating and the other one is just uh that i can't drive or that i don't drive i technically can drive i have a driver's license but i i haven't been driving yeah yeah i got one. are you legally allowed to drive then i'm legally allowed to drive yeah Oh, the requirements are different here than they are over in the UK. I've heard. Are they? Yeah. Because for us, I don't know if you know it in England, but for us in England, you need to be able to read a number plate from twenty meters away, which I absolutely cannot do. So I am not allowed to drive. I can't do that either. Yeah, they never checked for that over here. It was really easy to get a. It was really easy to get a license. <laughs> not not gonna lie. Oh my gosh! I kind of just right, had I'm to get. Call my um, 
I'm yeah. so sorry, guys. I'm off to the States <laughs> so I can drive. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that the, the requirement... So every state is a little bit different, I think. I don't think it's a national rule. I think it's state by state. But at least in um, Florida, at least, uh, you know, I had to get a pass from my ophthalmologist and she sent it in to the DMV and I did my tests and then I got my driver's license and that was it. Yeah. You lucky thing. (laughs) Yeah. But the thing is I don't even drive. Like I want to, I just, I'm scared. It still scares me to drive because I'd hate to just the idea of not seeing something or not seeing somebody. And then something happening. Is it, it's a level of responsibility at the end of the day if you're going to be on the road. Yeah, it's scary. But then I've mm. met a bunch of people on the podcast who have worse vision than I do, and they drive. Which, and they drive. And they drive, yeah. Like with worse Actually, vision. I think I'm going, to change, I'm going to change my mind. I don't know if I do want to go live in the States. That sounds <laughs> scary. <laughs> oh, you blind people on the road. Yeah, but no accidents, you know? Like they've been driving... You know, as long as they hit the legal age and no accidents and they're doing just fine. Wow. Have you ever attempted That's... to drive? No. I ask my dad if we're done all the time. I'm like, can I drive your car? He's like, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, I think. But no, I haven't. <laughs> you might be surprised uh, in terms of. Maybe. Yeah. I sometimes wonder, because I still have a decent level of vision and I can like look around me and I think I could drive. It's just that the rules are so strict here in England with it that there's no way that I'd legally be able to. Yeah. Yeah, no, that that's, that's a real thing because I, I've, I don't think I've spoken to anybody who lives in England who does drive, but a lot of the people over in the US do drive. And it's. I'm yeah. really surprised by that. Yeah, I think it's probably fifty-fifty, the amount of people who do and don't drive. The people that I've met. Yeah. So fun fact. But going back to the, going. Thank you. Going back to the dating wise, um, yeah. So that was a big worry I have is a guy not wanting to be with me because he'll always have to be designated driver. I will not be able to do that it'll never be oh i'm gonna have a pint tonight you drive because i can't i'm always the one who gets to go out and drink but um also going back to the aesthetic while i'm less kind of concerned about that now when i did go on that first date he did say to me oh yeah your eyes did sort of throw me off and that got to me Mm -hmm. to think oh yeah people do actually still notice my eyes i hear you it's kind of like you can go for a while without thinking about them or thinking about the aesthetics and then then one comment is like oh right yeah really kind of gets to you yeah i don't know did we answer the did we even ask the question about dating if i I recall i think your answer i think your answer was Okay, so she was asking, is it hard to find love? Okay, and your answer was, it's hard to find love for everybody, <laughs> regardless of yeah. nystagmus. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It might be a little bit of a of a hurdle to, to jump yeah. over, but it can't be. I've met a bunch of people with nystagmus who have significant others, and if they don't have one now, then they had one in the past for a long period of time, and the yeah. nystagmus wasn't their reason for breaking up. So, 
No. And that's the same with me. We didn't break up because of my sight loss. He was very accepting of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so that's... Yeah, don't lose hope. You can very much have a fulfilling relationship, even with a vision impairment. There is your answer, Diaz, Nicole. If if Diaz is your first name. I don't know. That's just how it appears on your Instagram. I don't know if that's flip-flopped or not. <laughs> uh, okay. okay, here's a question from Meadow. Uh, my two point, my two and a half year old has nystagmus and is registered blind. He's also pre-verbal, so he hasn't started describing the world around him. This may sound silly, but should I tell him that he may see things differently to people that don't have a visual impairment? I've been thinking more about how I say things about him to other adults, slash caregivers, slash health professionals, and when he's in my presence. I guess I'm just looking for different perspectives and experiences. Thank you. So I can't, personally, I do not remember there being ever a time where I was told, Becky, you've got a vision impairment. Like that conversation never really happened, I don't think. Um, So do you need to speak differently in front of your child? I don't think so. I really think the more you treat your child like any other child, I, I mean, I'm not a mum, so it's hard for me to comment. But I feel like the more you kind of include your child in absolutely every aspect of life, the more they're going to feel normal. Would you agree? I, yeah, I think what you said was really important. You don't want to make your child feel as if they're different from other people. And you, yeah. you, I think it's important to do your best to make sure that they know that they're equal and... Um, and, and and all of that stuff but that is a, an interesting question to ask though because at a certain point in a child's life they're gonna realize that their vision isn't as good as the people around them so i'm trying to put myself in the kids shoes it's like what 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 if i'm 13 years old and then i'm noticing that my eye that i can't see as well as my classmates and i'll go to my mom and i'll be like what the yeah. hell mom you didn't tell me <laughs> you didn't tell me <laughs> Um, I think probably just educate your child on what they have to tell them, mm-hmm. you know, what nystagmus is and find the best resources for you to, to explain to them. We, we're not too limited. We can still do the majority of things that most other people can do regardless of our lack of vision. Um, apparently in America, you can even drive. You could even drive. A lot of us can. <laughs> Um, so I've been thinking about how I can say, say things about him to other Yeah, adults. it's a trick. It's a really hard one to try and unpack because I don't, as I say, I don't remember there being a time where it was explained to me. I assume you're going to have, um, hospital appointments with your child. So as long as they're kind of involved with their condition, but you're still involving them in everything else yeah. that all children do. I, I'd say, I'd say keep your child, keep your child educated, make sure that the child knows um, about the nystagmus, but don't, don't lead the way. Like don't influence your child's decision to do certain things. Let them make their own decisions. And I mean, to a certain yeah. extent, obviously they're a child, like let's not let them do everything. But in terms of their eyes, um, if they want to play a sport that you might deem to be a little dangerous, just let them try it. I mean, it de- 
most sports. I don't... Yeah, that's <laughs> Just... that is a really good point. Actually, I think some parents can go can be nervous and like, oh no, I don't know if that sport will be good for you. But I've done horse riding all my life. Some people might think that that could have added dangers. But my parents never stopped me from doing things like that because they wanted me to still have the same experiences. And yeah. I think that's really important. You really want to empower your child growing up. So educate, empower, and just really kind of bring them up to be like, hey, you're going to have some challenges that other kids may not have, but you're going to learn how to do it in your own way. Yeah, that's really important. Don't Don't get in the way of your child trying new things. I think that's something that we could both agree on there. And then also show your child, mm-hmm. like, here's an example. Show your child somebody like Molly Burke or show your child somebody like, like Apple D app or just Paralympians. Yeah. Paralympians in sports. So don't, don't make, don't make the nystagmus bigger than it needs to be. Um, yeah. Don't overthink it. I think as a new parent, you've got a child with a condition. It's going to sound, it's going to be really scary. I know from my parents' perspective, it's really hard when you're getting told all these kind of things. But really just kind of relax. And between you and your child, you're going to grow and figure these things out as you go along. Mm-hmm. So I think that was, I think that was pretty good. We went through a whole bunch of stuff there. Do you have some advice yeah. for people who are struggling with nystagmus? My advice would just be to be easy on yourself. You're going to have challenges, but you are a strong, independent person. You're going to be able to do it. If you set your mind to doing something, you can, you can do it. I don't have a better thing to say about that. Really? This is as good as it gets. <laughs> yeah. Um, just don't let it define you so much. Of course, so I'm at a point where I'm not afraid to talk about it. But equally, I don't want that to be just me. I just want to be Becky at the end of the day. Yeah, you don't want to be defined by your eyes. Yeah. Uh, all yeah. Right. Anybody who's listening this far, if you've made it this far, I appreciate you listening. You can check out the Instagram. Thank you, Thank you Becky for coming on here with such short notice. I appreciate it a lot. <laughs> no problem. I'll be going to bed soon. It is, oh no, actually it's all right. It's only nine o'clock. <laughs> it's not too late. Still, you know, pretty late. Depends how early you got to wake up. Uh, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you everybody for listening. Thank you, Becky, for joining me. And all no right. No problem at all. I hope you enjoyed. <laughs>